Hey, everybody. On tonight's show, we are going to be discussing a very popular, well-loved movie by a very popular director, though the movie is a bit controversial. So we are happy you're here with us. Welcome to Movie Chatter. Welcome back. We've got a great episode tonight. Robin is in uh, true form. <laughs> this this is going to be fun. All we've heard from her so far tonight is no. No. <laughs> no. See? See? <laughs> See? There we go. There we go. We'll come back to Robin in just a moment. Let's start on a more positive note. Lou, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, we've got yes on this side, and we've got no over here. Robin, how are you doing tonight? I'm fantastic. Excellent. Yes, I am fantastic. No, I am not Debbie Downer. Okay. Oh, gotcha. So is that a double <laughs> negative, or I don't know how that works? Maybe. Maybe. No, I'm not. Yes, it's double negative. Oh. Yeah. Can I get a third one in there, please? <sighs> See, I was told there was going to be no math tonight, so I don't know. Okay, so tonight... We are going to be um, kind of continuing a little bit from last week's discussion of director's cuts, international cuts, extended cuts, and things like that. And and we are going to get into a movie that is quite different depending on whether you look at, well, one cut or another. We'll get into the nomenclature here in just a moment. We are going to be discussing what is known in the U.S. as The Professional or what was known everywhere else as Leon, which then got retroactively renamed in the U.S. as Leon or then Leon the Professional. Even though it wasn't the Leon cut, it, it, it's it's a little bit confusing. It's but, a little confused. Yeah, a little it, it's a little bit tricky. So this movie, you know, I got all of this other stuff situated and I did not pull this up in IMDb. Lou, do you have it up in IMDb? I do not, but I, do. I can. Oh, okay, Robin does. One, so one, one of us is prepared. One of us is prepared. Yeah. Um, Robin, this came out in 1994. Is that correct? Yes, it did. Okay. And it's directed, of course, by Luc Besson. It stars yes. Jean Reno. And um, I'm trying to think. The only other movie I remember him from, there was one with was it De Niro Jean or Renault. Pacino. Thank you. Okay, I'm not French. I don't know how he's. To... Well, he's primarily a French actor. I mean, if right. if you if yes. we were over the pond, mm -hmm. if you mentioned his name, people would be like, "Have you met him? Do you know him? Can I touch him?" So, uh, see, that's a little creepy. The only thing <laughs> I've seen him in, I think, is Ronan. Ronan, that's the one I'm thinking of. Thank you, and that yeah. was with De Niro, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is a great movie too. Phenomenal movie. Phenomenal movie. I highly recommend it. And uh, he's a great actor. So um, Luke Besson, we'll, we'll come back to him in just a moment because he's got uh, kind of a strange collection of films. And for a long time, every film he came out with was wonderful and, and then kind of took a little bit of a dip. But this also is the first appearance of Natalie Portman. Who yeah, this is I, her very, you know, her movie premiere. Yeah, yes. I believe she was only 12 years old. And yeah, it's a little controversial right there. Well, that, that not so much as some of the scenes that were cut for the U.S. version. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's lots of child actors. That's not 
inherently controversial, but uh, apparently she was in a restaurant with her mom and dad. And uh, as the story goes, Luc Besson noticed them in the restaurant and was watching the interactions and then approached them and said, Hey, would you be interested in maybe auditioning to be in this movie? And, um, that's how she ended up getting the role. She didn't. Oh, really? So she wasn't even like trying to become wasn't an even actress trying actress. to get it. She just, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how the story goes. I've heard it reported from several different outlets, several different times over the years. So I'm, I'm from, from that to Academy Award winner. Right. <laughs> Wow. And at one point she decided she wasn't going to continue doing acting either. I mean, she went to college after she had become famous, went to like regular college, regular classes, got a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember whether She's it was quite smart psychology or what she really is brilliant, like very smart cookie. But so. here's the thing. I love it. I love that in actors because mm-hmm. you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. Like, like they, they don't have that desperate quality of, don't shoot me on this side because, you know, right. um, they have that quality of, <laughs> I have a lot of things going on here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, she definitely is in that, that rank of actors who there, there's a lot going on upstairs. Yep. So, yep. Mm-hmm. so another um, actor in this movie that really stands out is Gary Oldman. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. Who's also in, Luc Besson's other most popular movie, Fifth Element. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also playing a bad guy. And it's funny because these days we all know Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon, right? And he plays this kind of very downplayed good guy thing. And in this movie, he's just freaking nuts. Well, I think for a while it's there, he wonderful. was typecasted as freaking nuts. Probably. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got that <laughs> quality about him, right? You can see that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He he definitely like when you see him in something where he's doing just a plain role, like again, like the Batman movies, you can't really imagine him being that kind of psychotic over the top sort of thing. But then when you see him in something like this, you're like, oh, wow, he is so good at that. Uh, I'm, I'm looking through his list of of. Movies, and I'm trying to see if there's anything that stands out with him as a bad guy other than this in fifth element that really, I mean, he was in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Sure. Mm -hmm. He was Dr. Smith in Lost in Space. Yep. Yeah. But does that really count as a movie or is that an accident? (laughs) That was a, oops, we we tripped and fell on the floor and all of this stuff got mixed up and, and we put it on DVD and gave it to you. Like that's, yeah, you know, but yeah, Don't lost forget, in space. Danny Aiello is in this too, and Peter right. Appel. Like, there's some re- there's right. a really, this is a really good cast. Hey, but you know, it's funny because back to Gary Oldman for a second. I didn't like Gary Oldman in this film. Really, uh, I didn't. I didn't think he portrayed the character well. I don't know. I mean, you blame him or the director? I don't know. But it didn't. His character didn't work for me as. As the bad guy, it didn't, it didn't seem. Okay. Well, let's come back to that. Just one second. For those who aren't familiar with the movie, I want, I want to give a little bit of context first. So, um, Natalie Portman is a 12 year old girl who is in an abusive family. Um, her father is involved in, uh, drug dealing, stuff like that. And, um, 
she spends a lot of time out like sitting on the railing of her apartment building, smoking cigarettes, hoping her dad doesn't catch her. And uh, so the drug dealers kind of catch up with her dad because her dad's been, um, you know, watering down the the cocaine a little bit with some other stuff and keeping a cut for himself. And uh, she happens to not be home when they come to deal with her father. So she gets a little scared and instead walks over to her neighbor's door, carrying the groceries she went to get as if she lives there. Instead, the neighbor being Jean Reno, Reno, Rono, Reno, Leon, Leon, Leon mm-hmm. walks over to Leon's door and uh, convinces him to let her in because he's been kind of monitoring what's been going on out in the hallway and knows if he doesn't like she's dead. So um, Leon is a professional hitman. And Matilda, Natalie Portman's character, convinces him to. uh doesn't entirely convince him to, but pressures him into kind of teaching her the ways of being a hitman. So that's the nature of, of the movie really. Now, Gary Oldman plays a cop who actually is also the guy in charge of the drug running and is the one who killed her family and is the bad guy. So this brings it back around to Lou's comment where you feel that Gary Oldman didn't, didn't really work here. To me, it didn't. Yeah. Okay. How so? Well, I, I don't know. It just, it seemed over the top to me. It didn't seem, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he didn't seem menacing enough to be really what he was. And it seemed kind of haphazard and seemed like he didn't really have a clue when he should be the guy knowing it all and being really in charge. Okay. So I have, I think I have a little bit of insight here. Okay. Um, I'm, I was just looking his IMDb up because I was interested in the timeline for crazy. And it seems like he has considered his villainous characters, according to a quote, which is a, an oral quote reported in IMDb. Let's be very clear about that, that he considers his villainous characters, his sort of second job that pays the bills. Now, if a guy is going to say that and be public about it, um, what, what we might unravel or unpack there is that, you know, um, his, his dark, the, you know, his character in Darkest Hour, you know, is more um, deeper, let's just say, characterizations are the things of his passion. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he's captured as a villain and cast that several times, um, you know, the quote here is, um, to be very honest with you, these lucrative villains subsidize my more personal stuff. Um, I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like things like Air Force One, 1997 is not a movie. I particularly want to to go and see myself and it's just not my cup of tea, but I'm lucky. I have I this lucrative second career, right? He doesn't, he doesn't want to be, that's not the, the actor he is. That's the actor he's sought after and paid for to be. Okay. I mean, that pays right. the bills so, that makes him famous and then he can go do the things he wants to do. The the stuff he wants right. to do. And so right. maybe that's what Lou's 
you know, picking up there. Um, although I do think his craziness fit the overall um, uh, caricatureness of some of these main characters. I don't think any yeah. main character in this movie can be thought of as anything but a caricature, um, which I'm sure we're going to unpack as we discuss. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. That's actually a really good point that I, I think I couldn't quite put my finger on, but since you worded it that way, I think that kind of defines a lot of the characters in this movie to me. Um, back to your point, Lou, I, I guess I kind of feel like, yeah, it was a little bit over the top um, for performance, but I didn't think it ever crossed that line of like being fully over the top. Like I didn't feel like I was watching okay. Nicolas Cage. Like, <laughs> Nicolas yeah, Cage okay. is my litmus test for whether somebody is just like way too far over the top or whether they're actually acting and, and, giving a believable performance. Yes, Robin, you look like I, I'm just about to give you an aneurysm. Did you just stab me in the heart on purpose or are you just, I didn't say Kenneth Branagh. I said, Nicholas cage. (sighs) Goofy, like out there. Nicholas cage. Are you a big Nicholas cage fan? Huge. Really? Why? I had, I had no idea. (laughs) Wow. Does Tim know about this? And by the way, by the way, to all your directors out there, I blame every single one of you for every movie Nicolas Cage has ever been in because it's your job to rein him in. It's your job to get a believable performance out of actors. And yet Nicolas Cage, two out of every three movies he does, I I could hire like a clown student from high school or something. And I don't even know if high schools have clown classes, but if they did. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Well, you know, you know, it, it, and that's a great point, Eric, because I, I don't blame Gary Oldman so much for the way I don't think he did this role well. I blame the director. I mean, okay. that is who is the ultimate. They've got to light their performance and go with it. You know, most most of the time, it's it's the it's the director's fault, not the actor's fault. There are very few actors that don't need direction. They can do it without that. that. That's true. That's true. And, and to be fair, well, I think Natalie Portman is another actor who... Natalie Portman does phenomenal when she has a good director. And I think I've seen some movies in that she's been in where mm-hmm. she doesn't do well without a good director, which I kind of feel like her performance a lot of times in the Star Wars films fell flat because of that lack of directing. And by the way, in the chat room, Joel, Cage is in National Treasure. Cage mm-hmm. is not a National Treasure. <laughs> I just wanted, because you didn't capitalize National Treasure, so I assume you're not referring Joel. to the film. You're referring like his value I and and I, I gotta call you out on that one dude you're you're a little off he's not a national tra- and I don't care which <laughs> nation you're referring to I mean if there's a country out there who wants him go for it as far as I'm concerned he's up for grabs but <laughs> you know anyway oh, of course I give you a shout out Joel we're happy you're here man alright so Let's talk a little bit about the caricatures in the characters, because, yeah, Gary Oldman kind of played the. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, with everything going on in the world right now, we did not purposely choose a movie with corrupt cops. But then (laughs) as I'm reading stuff in the news, like the TV show cops being pulled off the air after like 30 years of of running and, and like all of these other things. 
you know, what we do here on the Random Chatter Network is like we we believe the things going on in the world are very, very critically important. Um, but we also try to understand that our opinions and the things we say sometimes are very well informed, sometimes they're not. But what we try to do is we try to provide entertainment and we try to comment on the entertainment industry specifically. That's what we do um, because that's our wheelhouse. And yet this directly affects the world of entertainment too. And I'm looking back over all these movies and there are so many where the cops are portrayed as heroes. And a lot of times it's the cops who don't play by the rules, right? The, mm -hmm. Kind of the, the ones who go rogue and renegade and well, captain, you know, but if we do it that way, we'll never get the bad guy sort of thing. Or the cops are actually corrupt and, and criminals. And there's so many movies where that's a big part of the story. So in one part, we didn't do it on purpose. And yet, on the other side of things, just out of random selection, probably two thirds of the movies we would have picked would have still had that as a theme, either on the one side or the other. So anyhow, the, the corrupt cop thing, he's a little bit like he's psychotic, not psychotic. He, he's a little loopy thing at the whole Beethoven thing at the beginning where he goes into the house and he's like, kind of out there and stuff. And then obviously maybe mm -hmm. he's sampling the drugs a little bit himself, but then he's also supposed to be able to run this whole thing from within the police department successfully. Like he's doing well at what it is he's doing. So he's also competent yet also a little crazy. It, it's, I can see where it can be a bit much to handle. Um, then you've got Leon, who is the hitman, but he's also the good guy. And he's also, you know, he's very calm. He's emotionally detached from what he's doing. He's a loner, but then that also makes him very lonely. Then you've got Natalie he, Portman who plays well, I, a caricature. Go ahead, Lou. I was just saying, he's also a child. I mean, he is the child right. of this movie. You've got that arrested development of when he, now I think this is in the director's cut and not the, the theatrical cut, but when he's talking about when he was 19, and mm -hmm. he was dating this girl and, uh, you know, he came from not a well-to-do family and, and she was from a well-to-do family and the father kept getting really upset about it. And finally the girl's father killed the girl and then he went and killed the father. And it's almost like he's never matured past that point. Like, like that's where he stopped growing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Then you've got Natalie Portman, who's kind of a caricature or a stereotype of, the girl growing up and finding a crush on, you know, she's got issues where her own father is, is kind of a, a piece of crap. Then there's this guy who's protective, who's um, emotionally stable, etc. And she gets mm. this crush on him and she's crushing hard on him. So you've got that whole kind of caricature stereotype thing going. Um, well, I think of all the characters I can think of, Tony was really the one who he had a role and the role was maybe a little bit of a stereotype, but it, it wasn't an over the top sort of thing. It didn't feel like a caricature as much as it did just the stereotypical no, Tony was role a straight of gangster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's Tony just the straight, straight up he's gangster. the guy that hands out the jobs. Yeah. He, and he's the guy who steals from his employees and he's the guy who, right. Um, I, I want to check you for a minute on Natalie Portman's character, Matilda. Okay. I think 
that Matilda had a bunch of um, character-like female stereotype things happening all at once. Okay. So she is, not only does she have daddy issues, but she mm-hmm. has male issues. She's, I mean, she's lost her, the only male she ever cared about, whoever cared about her, her younger her brother. Younger brother. Right? right. She's, she's got mommy issues. She's got, she, she's got every, nothing but issues. Like they went to mm. the DSM and they basically said everything that has the word female put here the dsm for those who don't know the diagnostic standard for mental health it's like the medical bible of how to diagnose mental health illnesses right sorry yeah sorry but but that's what that's what it feel like yeah feels like the director did that and then just said hey you you're gonna play all of these different um parts and what actress at her age could possibly embrace that range without making it a cartoon. Right. And I got to say, that that is really, this is still probably the most defining role of Natalie Portman's career, not just in the sense that it got her started, but like you just said, to provide that range that well in in that many different things in a single film. That age. Incredible. Yeah. And to that, um, I guess I'm saying you're right. Star Wars didn't do her credit, but she had to do something normal. Yeah. And and then Black she did Swan, do some others like during that Star Wars phase as well. But yeah. And then Black Swan just took her way back over the edge. Yeah. That's another direct. Who did Black Swan? Oh, it's um, right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, Andrew, um, long time random chatter movie host from like a long time ago, used to be just obsessed with this guy. And I can't remember the name of the director. I get you in one second. Uh, yeah, you can look it up. Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate him as a director, <laughs> I but I haven't him. liked I don't think I've liked a single one of his films. OK, but, but I appreciate uh, his skill. I can appreciate it's not him. my. Yeah, yeah, just not my thing. Yeah. Anyway, so. um. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it was hard to kind of describe what what we're talking about when we talk about the different cuts here. So there was the theatrical cut that came out here in the U.S. There was an international cut that came out elsewhere, primarily Europe. That one had 25 minutes of extra footage. And uh, there were three main things that were cut for the theatrical cut. I think it's probably best to refer to them as the theatrical cut for the U S and then the international cut, because the director's cut, you would think that would be the longer cut, except Luke Besson apparently refers to the theatrical cut as the director's cut. And the international one as the long cut as the but longer cut. Yeah. Because he also considers the long cut, his definitive vision, which would then mean the theatrical cut would not be the director's cut. That would be the director's cut. Yeah. It's, it's just messy. So we're going to do just call it theatrical US version and long version. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Or international, either one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because there's some inherent controversy and some people think no problem at all. Some people think, oh my gosh, this film should be banned. And then there are many people who kind of sit more in the middle. The main three things that were cut 
Uh, and, and keep in mind, Natalie Portman, again, was about 12 years old when this was filmed, 12 to 13. She was 12 when Luc Besson found her. And then I don't know what the filming schedule and everything was like. But so there are scenes, number one, where she's drinking alcohol, quite a bit of it, in fact, um, at a <laughs> dinner. Yep. Um, scenes where they take the idea that she has a crush on Leon and really amplify it. She's talking about like giving away her virginity to him and stuff like that. And he consistently says, no, that's just not going to happen. That's not a thing. He never indulges that with her, but she continues to push pretty hard for it in the international cut. And then he does a lot more in training her to actually be an assassin in the international cut. And those three mm-hmm. things, all three of them did not test well with us audiences. So, I have not seen the theatrical cut in a really, really long time. I just literally just finished the international cut. In fact, it's one of the reasons I was a little late for the recording tonight. But uh, and that's the first time I've seen either version probably in a long time. Robin. So there is this third version, which our audience might have seen, which is what they show on TV. Yeah, but I never count. I, I know. Oh, yeah, but, it's not kind of a TV version. is a real version of the movie. It's like watching really, Snakes yeah, it's on a Plane, TV. where Samuel Jackson does that iconic line, and they, they dub over it with some nonsense. And, like, I, I don't know. You're right, though. There is a TV cut that was substantially different. Yeah. Do you remember what the differences but, I mean, are with that, Robin? Well, I think the one for TV cuts out the things that we know need to be cut out for TV, mm-hmm. but it also shortens it a little bit from what I have been reading. Okay. And so, but what I don't know is I can't tell you that I've spent the last two weeks of my life watching each version and noting um, where those things are. I can't. You can't tell us because you didn't do it, or you can't tell us because it would seem like really creepy and like you really need to get a life. Because I could see you doing something like that. Then I'd have to kill you, and I don't really feel like driving that far tonight. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'll meet you halfway. I mean, if you've got a good place to dispose of my corpse, I don't want to make it difficult on you. You know. Um. But you know, it's like things like the Russian roulette scene, right? Yeah. That is not on the. That is not on the. Thing you see on TV. I've actually seen it on TV quite a bit. Okay. And then that's, I that's not necessary. I was yeah. it in the theatrical this cut, is, the Russian roulette is, scene. It's, it's not in the theatrical cut. Either, yeah. Right? I think that was another thing that not in the theatrical cut. So right, that's right. what I mean. It's very difficult to figure out. Um, yeah. it's definitely in the international cut. Well, cause you know, oh, yeah, that's the full yeah. movie. And I think the international cut brings a lot of those things in makes more, you know, character development clear in the film. I think it does. Cause that's too. It's really what they cut was character moments. I mean, her being trained as a session going on jobs with him. Not something you saw in the, in the, in the U S release. No. In fact, I had forgotten that was even in the international cut until I watched it again today. So Lou, would you say, I'd like to know everybody's opinion on which version you think is the better version and why. And it sounds like you're, you're a proponent for the international cut because of the deeper characterization and yeah. the character. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely say that. I mean, I think international version is, is better basically just because it gives you more character depth. 
Okay. Um, and, and this movie is all about character to me. It's not about the action. It's not about the scenes that are right. Uh, even though there are cool scenes to see, like him, you know, coming out of the, um, you know, the, the very last fight scene type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. But the characterizations of these, of these actors or these, of these characters in the, in the movie are just phenomenal. Um, yeah. And you lose a lot by going to that U S version. I, I would agree with that. Robin, how do you feel? I'm going to agree with that. And but then okay. I'm also going to say that the ending in every single version is the hugest letdown I have experienced in a long time. Okay. Well, really? I will say this on this topic before we move on to that then. I, I agree <laughs> that um, I think that when this came out in 1994, I think some of those things would probably be more controversial than if they came out today, especially with the mm -hmm. violence. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I agree that it adds something to the characters. And I think especially Leon's character, who it, it's hard to say sometimes whether the movie is about Leon or about Matilda. In fact, Luke Besson and Natalie Portman had been talking years ago for quite some time about doing a sequel called Matilda. And I think they just right. never got around to, to wrapping it up, but there was like a treatment and everything and, and they were working on it. Yeah. Well, I had read something they, about that too. Well, go ahead, Robin. Well, they couldn't because of the way they ended it. You can't end it the way they ended it and then do a sequel. I'm not going to tell Luke well, Besson that he can't write a movie. He's a better writer than <laughs> I am. You, you get him on the phone. <laughs> I mean, here's my writing. See Dick and Jane. See Dick run, see Jane run, see Dick and Jane run. I'm not going to tell him that he can't do his thing. He's been a little bit more successful that, than I have. So a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the Matilda movie was supposed to be about her as a cleaner, you know, as, after she was much older. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult. It's not an yeah. immediate sequel. This is right. like, they didn't even discuss it right. until Natalie Portman was like right. after college, what I think it was he left the studio that was, it was a gamut or whatever it was. It was producing the movie yeah. originally and did his own thing. And they kept the rights to the professional themselves. So they didn't have, Oh, so he would have had to, to, do, to do that. Negotiate. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess he did the, he developed, I can't what the name of the movie was now. Um, they used parts of that script to develop. Um, oh gosh, it was another movie that came out a few years back. Uh, about a female um, hit person who was taking out drug cartels. Um, um, Anna? Colombi Col Colombiana? Oh, Colombiana. Did he do that movie? Luke Passan was involved in that. I don't know if he directed okay. it or not. But oh, wow. I like Colombiana. Lucy. I never oh, saw I forgot it. he did Lucy. So let's talk about oh, that real quick. I okay. See Lucy. So, yeah. um, in fact, there apparently was an announcement for Colombiana 2. And a Lucy too. Nice. He did the screenplay for uh, Anna. Oh, this is a writer's credits. Let's go to director's credits. Holy crap. There's a lot of stuff to scroll through here. Um, <laughs> Valerian in the city of a thousand planets. I've not seen that one. I've heard some kind of mixed things. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lucy, the family, the lady, Arthur three, the war of two worlds. Don't even know what that one is. Um, the messenger, the story of Joan of Arc. That was pretty good. Fifth Element, La Femme Nikita. La Femme Nikita. La Femme Nikita. Yeah. yeah. So those yeah. are the ones that most people would would be familiar with that he's done. But um, what were we saying? 
Before all that, oh, I was saying that it, it's, some people will argue this is primarily Latil, Matilda's movie, and some would argue that it's primarily Leon's movie, but I feel like the the international cut really gave a lot more of Leon's journey, yep. and I found that more more compelling. But let's talk about the ending. What is it that disappointed you so much about the ending? Well, let me just say right before I say that, mm -hmm. um, I think this this movie is the perfect marriage between two very strong leads. Mm -hmm. I really don't think it's a Matilda movie or a Leanne movie. I think it's a Leanne and Matilda movie because neither the movie wouldn't stand alone with either character no. taking the next step into the spotlight. No. I think it would have broken the movie. So somehow, uh, Bassat found the perfect marriage between these two characterizations and made it work in the international version. Mm -hmm. I think in the version that was released in the United States, we could air towards uh, the Leon's character because Matilda's feminine needs were simply left on the, the cutting room floor. Well, and I think you also see less of her internal struggle with, like, she knows that she needs something. She needs some sort of fulfillment, mm -hmm. some sort of closure, some sort of, and it yeah. feels like in the international version, you see her kind of stumbling through that a little bit more, and which makes it more realistic. And then finally, toward right. the end of the movie, she kind of finds her way, so to speak. And you're right, in the theatrical version, I think some of that gets lost. But then also, so, you see less of Leon's yeah. growth as well, because I think he comes across right. a little colder in the theatrical version. Oh, it's just Very slightly. Much more. He, he comes off more like a Bruce Willis cold. Right, like a quiet Bruce than... Willis. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like a French Bruce Willis, quite honestly, right? Because yeah, the smoldering intensity isn't like in the Bruce Willis characters where we've seen him be a quote unquote bad butt. Um, <laughs> um, you can use PG language here; it's okay. Okay, badass. Okay, um, but you know, in he's got that like in smolder that intensity, right. and you know, European actors are just allowed the smoldering and not the intensity, and so. Um, <laughs> but you know, see, for me, that didn't come across. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. It didn't come across as smoldering right. intensity. It came across as as childish. I mean, he, he it, it, not in a bad way, but he was a there very was an innocence. childlike innocence yeah. to him that he didn't really, you know, he did his job and, and he had a few poignant moments where he would talk to um, Natalie Portman's character about, you know, once you do this, it's going to ruin your life. It's going to change you forever. You know, he had some of those moments, but most of the time it was not. Most of the time it was less, even the look on his face and the way he was reacting to things. It was like, Wow, you played a, a a simple child innocence very very good. I mean, but very, I think a, fantastic. A lot of those moments were in the apartment settings, mm -hmm. and like you could yeah. even just see it in his face. It was just this look of of like innocence and like childlike almost, like what you were saying earlier. Yeah, but anytime like they're outside of that, he does have kind of a smoldering intensity. And I think that again, with the two different cuts, you got to see more of those moments in the international version. Than you did the theatrical version. Mm. Well, and this is the perfect marriage I'm talking about. Her eyes, 
like even if you were to look at IMDb right now with his gaze through his sunglasses Mm -hmm. up and her eyes straight on, what they're trying to say is she captures um, a soulful maturity and laser cuts you with her eyes and he captures the innocence that she should have had. I mean, he allows Danny Aiello's character to take advantage of him. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Like you could see that through the first encounter, you know, I've got Mm -hmm. your money. Just tell me how much you want. I'll just give it to you. Yeah. He's definitely more naive to our children. He may be more street smart, but he's much more naive and she is not at all naive, but also not at all street smart. And yeah, it really is an interesting, like you have no development of Leon without Matilda and you have no development of Matilda without Leon. Matilda without. Yep. Yep. So it really is even just in the the sense of the writing, it's, it's a really good balance. And then also the balance between the actors, they had good chemistry and they played off of the moments with each other really, really well. And I don't know how much of that again is the director or just the actors, but there was a really good synergy in this film, especially in a movie where you've got two people who have to carry pretty much the entire movie, Gary Oldman, notwithstanding. I well, was impressed. There came a point where I almost believe and call me silly. We um, often do where the gum that he took out of his mouth and put over the thing was mm-hmm. actually gum that she took off of there and put in her mouth. Put in her mouth. Like right. that is how well that was played. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for in a movie. I don't need after COVID that'll house. never happen again. Never any movie ever. Yeah. But yeah. I don't need the over the top sappy romance overtures that give us long stares for endless minutes. But see, that's Um, such a subtle thing though. But then when you pick up on that, it's meaningful. I mean, it's just, you know, somebody sticks gum over the thing and then there's this long scene and then they go in and they kill the guy, you know, but then she takes the gum off and puts it in her, her mouth as she goes in the door like, I didn't even think of that the first few times around. And then later in a later viewing, you pick up on it. And there's, it, it, it's an indicator of that connection. So it's, it's another yeah. reinforcing level, but it's subtle. Because truly only intimates do that. Right. And, you know, there's that. So you, you feel that connection in that very small moment. And that's really all directors out there. That's really all I need when I go to a theater. I don't need you to hit me over the head with that. I need you to give me those subtle moments to make me pay attention to your movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Which unfortunately a lot of people do need someone kind of hitting them over the head with that. But that's one of the reasons we do the show too, right? Is to kind of, there you go try to point things like that out so that people can start noticing things Mm -hmm. like that. I, you know, when I started getting into movies when I was younger, I didn't even try to pick up on little subtle nuances. And even now I can't even say that I try to, but when they are there, I can pick up on an awareness of them more easily. And I think anything that we can do to help people improve their watching experience is a wonderful thing. The more you can get out of your content, the more valuable the content mm-hmm. is. Right. Right. So, so let me tell you why I didn't like the ending. Please. 
I, I think it was a betrayal. Okay. So I, I think the movie built on each character learning from each other, learning from each other, learning from each other. And she takes a plant that should be a potted plant and mobile and sticks it in the ground. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> when you know it's going to die in, in um, a setting where you know she is going to wither and die. And I thought, why would you do this um, to this very strong character? I, I thought that... But, no, Lou is like got the... Well, see, I am so bad I'll, with. I'll let Eric talk first. I'm so bad. I'm gr- <laughs> listen. I'm good with kids and dogs and cats and wild animals, and I'm horrible with fish and plants. If you hand me a potted plant and say, "Here, hold this," and you go to grab your your Coke and you turn around, I've dropped the plant, shattered the planter, accidentally stepped on the roots, and then probably like accidentally dumped battery acid all over it too. Like I cannot keep a plant alive to save my life. So I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, that's awesome. She planted the plant and now it's going to grow and, and, and be awesome and live forever. And then I didn't take that as a metaphor for her performance in the school, but I always thought, you know, she is quick witted and obviously more intelligent than any of the other members of her family. She would probably do really well in that school. And she's got laser focus. And if she can use that, as a way to further develop herself intellectually so that when she gets out, if she wants to continue cleaning, now she's like the whole package. I guess that's kind of how I saw her going to the school. I didn't realize that that plant has to be potted and can't live. In. Yeah, not going to survive. I, I didn't know that. Which also she probably didn't know that either. Yes. Yeah, she- <laughs> well, I, see, I I took the whole ending totally different from from how you took it. Interesting. Um, so you know, she, she she leaves the whole. You know, she escapes from the the building right in, in the air duct with the plant. Um, the you know, she, she goes to Tony. Tony Tony tells her basically, yeah, here's some money, go away. You know, he's not going to help her. So Tony screwed Leon and her over as far as the money goes. But then she goes back to the school she's supposed to be at and, you know, the principal decided or whoever the, the headmistress or whoever she is decides to help her. Right. And help you. I'll do anything I can for you type thing. And this is the start of her life beyond this. You know, she's she's moved past what happened, all the horrible stuff. She's now in school. And there was foreshadowing to the whole plant thing earlier when she said, no, plants need to you know, be planted in a park and put the roots down and grow and be healthy. And mm-hmm. to, so, so to me, the ending was the, the plant was a metaphor for her putting down roots and growing and being coming healthy. And the last thing Leon said to her was, you know, you've changed my perspective. I want to live. I want to put down roots. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like he literally used that phrase. I want to put down roots. So maybe true, yeah. this so, is also her, you know, this is the last thing of him that she has, mm-hmm. even if it's going to die so, as so he did. Me, this was a good ending for her and a good growth ending for her. I mean, I hate endings See, where so, main characters die because I don't want to watch a movie unless I can get connected with the main character. 
and like there's enough crap going on in life right now that I'm not looking for more sad crap to happen. So that type of movie is already a little bit difficult for me, but I feel like the ending was, was good, but I did not look at it Mm -hmm. as the, Oh, she's planting something. that's going to wither and die because she's planting it. And now she's planting roots in this school where she's going to wither and die as well. I didn't see it that way, but I understand like that's logical. That makes sense. It just wasn't my perspective. from a, a, a different perspective, mm-hmm. if you are in a place where you have escaped because it is confining to you and then you go and have these things happen to you and then you are forced literally to go back to this space, it feels like... For me, watching it, it feels like you're going in and out of prison. Like you haven't broken that cycle. Was she forced? I wanted her to, to go break. back to the school. What? Well, she had no other place to go. So the Tony Aiello character, Tony. Uh, what? No, I'm sorry. What's his name? Tony. Yeah, the character's name was yeah, Tony. Tony. His name was Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Aiello. Sorry, right. his name yeah. is Tony. Um, so Tony screws her out of out of Leon's money. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really. He says, you can keep coming. I right. I will keep giving you money. Just come and ask for it. And so to me, it's the director saying, uh, we haven't figured out um, how this very strong female character can survive at this age in this world where um, we we know that they can. And so I just felt like it was the director kind of like saying, I got to end this. Like, I really have to end this now. And, Mm. and so the way to end it is to send her back. And for me, the way to end it would have been to send her forward. I guess I looked at this as a way of sending her forward. I mean, she should be in school. She should be getting an education. Um, Right. I, I, mean, I see it. Look at it this way. Your perspective is valid. I see it. Given her, yeah, no, I agree too. But if Tony had given her a bunch of money and she just got off to do her thing, how many 12 year old girls are going to be responsible with that and, and grow up well? Right. It's going to be a bad end for her. And I, I want to come back to that too, because I never really picked up on something else. It's a common perception about this movie. I'm radically in the minority on this. And I didn't realize this until I started reading on the internet. I never looked at Tony as someone who's stealing their money, because if you're a hitman, you've got lots of money. You live alone in an apartment in New York. If anybody knows who you are and anybody knows that you have your own money, you're not going to survive long. It would be better to have someone else trusted for the sake of argument. Let's assume that Tony is that to who is not going to get hit to hold on to your money for you. You take out what you need and as you need it and live off of that. If you've got a stash in a duffel bag under your bed, you are always afraid to leave your apartment. And again, back to what you said, Lou, the same thing for Matilda. If you gave her $300,000, holy crap. I mean, like not only is she going to be a chain smoker by the time she walks out because like she can just buy all the cigarettes in the world. She's going to just go hog wild or maybe she won't, but then still Mm. she's got to carry this money around and not get robbed, not get 
you know, like the only power she would have, like with in the international cut with the kids who walked up to her in that alley and said, Hey, if you want to sit there, you got to pay rent. She throws them a hundred dollar bill. She's got a duffel bag and pulls out a hundred dollar bill. Their next move is what else is in there. Right. So I always saw it as, Hey, I've never seen that in a mob movie before, but that's actually not a bad idea. Well, it wasn't a bad idea, but don't forget the first time we, we get an inkling that Tony is stealing Leon's money is when Leon and Tony have the encounter and Tony treats Leon like a little girl. He pats him on the head and says, Hey, it's okay. Come back to me whenever you need money. And he treats Matilda the same way. So you can only leave those two encounters with two very different people as thinking Tony has taken that money, gambled it away or done something with it where he doesn't have direct access. To I don't it. know because and he's got to tap somebody else. He's, so it. Leon is going to need money. He's, he's got equipment. He's got a vest full of high explosive round grenades. You can't go down to Walmart and get those for like 1999. Okay, like just the equipment that Leon needs to be able to do these jobs. Tony's got the money somewhere and is able to keep uh, either Leon supplied directly or is able to allow Leon to supply himself. Mm -hmm. I don't ever I think that if Leon ever hit a point where he couldn't get a resource he needed, he would probably stop working with Tony. I mean, I don't think that when it comes to the nature of his job, Leon is ever portrayed as incompetent. In, in fact, quite the opposite. He's taking yeah. down entire rooms of hired thugs like without blinking. It, it was never clear where he got the money to pay for his apartment, you know, live daily lives, mm -hmm. replenish his ammo and that kind of stuff. But you definitely did. I agree with Robin. You, did, you definitely did get that feeling that yeah, Tony was screwing him the whole time because when he first has a conversation with him, he's like, no, 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 no. The, the banks get knocked off. I'm better than the banks. What, yeah. you know, and it's the same line he gives Tony. Matilda later, word for word. Right. So, yeah. so exactly. to me, that was like, wrong? I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe he's holding the money for the guy, but yeah, I don't think he's ever going to give it to him. And and I think it's just a matter of at some point, this guy is going to kick the bucket and I'm going to have all this cash that's now just mine. You yep. know, I that's never had to pay. Still. I never had to pay Leon. Yeah. I mean, that's not wrong. Have to pay Matilda. But again, was Leon ever not able to get the money he needed? Well, no, but he was only able to get in in dribs and drabs. And when he went yeah. to Tony and said, I want to set something up for Matilda, mm -hmm. Tony laid it on hard. No, no, you set something up for Matilda. You're setting it up with the government or the man or whatever, mm -hmm. right? The banks. Um, Which, again, the not banks wrong. Stands in. He's not wrong, but if Tony's trying to take care of, I'm sorry, if Leon's trying to take care of Matilda, if Tony was up and up, he would have just said, I got her. But I also saw a lot of Tony's um, trying to dissuade Leon from doing some of these things, going back to what we said before about Leon being a little bit naive and, and we're right. having that but conversation that was, uh, about, well, you know, look what happened last time you 
something for what it's, yeah. it's a woman, right? A it, woman. It's a woman, isn't it? A woman. That, that's why you want to do this. It's over a woman. Like, right. He and remember what happened last time you had a woman. Yeah. When you first came here, right. you were in over your head. So I'm not yeah. saying you're wrong, but I'm saying that if you are willing to put that aside for a moment and look at it from the perspective that Tony is trying to take care of Leon, then all of that still fits like it, it fits either theory. Now what Lou, you said a moment ago about the fact that if Leon ever kicks the bucket, Tony, I mean, he's got all that money. That's not wrong. But if Leon had all that in a bank and he kicked the bucket, the money goes to nobody. So, I mean, at least it, it might as well go to somebody that will make use of it. So yeah, I, even I that's kind of Tony ever had. Yeah. I just don't think Tony ever had the, the plan to disperse all this money back to Leon or whoever. Yeah. Well, and that seems to be the common, yeah. common opinion. I'm definitely in the minority on that, but I guess, I don't know. I, I found all of the other parts of the movie interesting enough that I was willing to take that on face value as long as nothing he said broke it. And I didn't find mm-hmm. anything that inherently broke it. I get the theory, the implications definitely there, but there's so, one other thing that bothered me watching this movie again. I haven't seen it in years, but mm-hmm. it seemed like the editing was kind of jumpy. Yeah. Um, there was, okay, good. Cause the, the, it was, what if it was just me? I'm like, I don't remember seeing it this way years ago when I watched it, but it so? seemed like we'd go to something and there'd be a scene that didn't really fit. And then it would be something else. And I'm like, is it just the international version? I don't remember these, these cuts that way or what, but it seemed to be, Disjointed. Like I guess what? Can I'd you say. can you give examples? It, it was mainly that middle act. Um, you know, the, during the training, during uh, the 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 moments between Leon and Matilda, and how they were, you know, evolving as a relationship and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it was the scene where um, it just seemed to jump back and forth between different contexts and not in a, in a good flowy way. Okay. Um, I, I can't really figure out any specific one. Maybe, maybe Robin can, but so here's, here's, here's what I wanted to, to bring in the, the, um, Gary Oldman character mm-hmm. and the relationship between his, his staff and him. I think it played better in the American version than it did in the international version. And I don't think it was a manipulation of their particular scenes. I think it was, the cuts because they wanted, because there was these moments between Leon and Matilda that they wanted to develop. It never made it clear. Like in the American, especially television versions, I understood Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman's character a lot better than I did in the international version. And I do think, think it was because in the international version, they gave Gary Oldman a little bit more time on his own. And his team was sort of like, like, like I didn't understand who was a part of his team and who wasn't at any given time until I finally figured out that I was watching the same scene in all three versions and they died. With, with the exception of that last sentence, I think I agree with you. I I didn't really realize that until just now. But yeah, I think the the American version, you get a better feel for um, Gary Oldman's team than you you do in the international. And maybe it's because it makes up a larger percentage of that cut just inherently. 
Um, because I mean, a good, what, 20% of the movie was cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an hour and 50 minutes long um, without the extra 25 minutes. So I don't know. Yeah. I shouldn't have to do the math here. That's yeah. And not, not quite well, 20%, but so. But again, no. it's the director's eye that, that the viewers follow. Mm -hmm. And if the director's eye is totally focused on Leon and Matilda, then your eyes are not following, um, Gary Oldman's, uh, it's, it's Stansfield is mm. his name, uh, Gary Oldman's character. And his character becomes again, another caricature of an, I can only imagine he's popping ecstasy or something at the time. Cause I don't know what all that's about, but I can, you work at a college. You know, you How can you not I don't believe it. How can you not know what that's I about? A, I work at a community. Right. Let's just, so, but the thing is, um, it seems like the high is instantaneous, whatever he's popping, the high is instantaneous and it's euphoric and it's, I assumed it was cocaine. It, sure that I'd, I've never seen cocaine capsulized. Oh yeah. There's that. Yeah, right, like that. But the the idea is he's popping something to bring him out of his body um, to be able to orchestrate because clearly he has these body movements, right, that he is orchestrating all of these events. And once you realize he's on the inside of the system, mm -hmm. um, then you can finally see it. And in the American version, the, the idea, the, the awareness that he's on the inside comes much quicker. And so all of the other then relationships follow. Okay. And in the international version, that, that's a slow reveal, I feel like. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I I guess while I definitely agree with it, and I think Gary Oldman's character had value to the movie, if I had to choose between getting more about Leon and Matilda, I would still choose that over having a version where, was it Stansfield? Played... A bigger role like and, and we've always talked about the fact that um, a hero is only as interesting as his villain. Mm -hmm. Yep. But because this movie is as much about the growth of the two main characters as it is any sort of external conflict. Um, I, I don't know. I guess in this case, I'm OK with but losing that. I agree with you that that's there. I guess I'm just OK with losing it. Yeah, but I wanted to know. See, I like to know why good people go bad. What makes Maybe. you assume he was a good person? I, I, I guess I make the assumption that if you're rising in the ranks, um, you're either an amazing villain. And in, in that case, I really love amazing villains. You know, I have mm. always told people around me, if you are going to be, you know, 
bad, be a freaking amazing bad. Be like Superman. <laughs> awful. Yeah, bad. I see. I get your point. Robin yeah. is responsible right? for every mad scientist and supervillain. Absolutely. Ever. R.R. Life would be so um, much easier if we had mediocre villains. We don't need them to be super, I, I Robin. So. Thanks for encouraging them. Super <laughs> be the best you can be. That's right. It's the idea of embracing be the best you can be. But like, do we want it. the focus to shift toward Gary Oldman that much? Like this goes back to I'm okay with the well, bad guy know. being bad just for the sake of being bad. I don't necessarily. Listen, I know that there is a backstory. People aren't just magically bad people. There had to have been a cause, but I don't always need to know what the cause is because that not, that's not what this story mm-hmm. is. If we want to do a prequel called Stansfield or whatever it is, fine. I'm not into prequels. So I probably, well, I probably would watch it to tell you the truth, but really? It, really? I just don't think that that's what this movie was supposed to be about. I, I would have enjoyed <laughs> seeing more of him because I thought it was a good performance and I liked that character, but I don't need to delve too much into the history of, of the villain. If what we see of the villain is portrayed well. All right. But look at this. If, if you want to believe uh, Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard, John McClane is as good as he is, Mm -hmm. you got to set up a Hans Zimmer. Yes. That is different type of story though. At his job. Right. But that story is about the conflict between those two. This movie is about the, the, building between Leon and Matilda. Not that there isn't a conflict with Gary Oldman's character that provides the motivation for Matilda to want to become this thing that she thinks she wants to become. But the movie isn't about the conflict with Gary Oldman that provides the backdrop for it provides the context for the relationship between Leon and Matilda. And that's what the movie is truly about. Die hard, different story. Different theme of conflict. Lou's scratching his. Lou's doing. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I agree with both of you. I think that there's plus and minuses to all of these things, but I, I don't. I, I, I agree with Eric probably a little more that the the dynamic, yeah, the dynamic between um, Leon and Stanfield was not the main purpose of the movie. Okay. But but if. They had written it in such a way that they wanted that to be more prominent a theme. I do agree with Robin that it would have failed because you didn't have Mm. that. I mean, um, Hans from Die Hard, the name slipped my mind for a moment, much better villain, unquestionably. Like I found him much more compelling a bad guy than I did um, Gary Oldman in The Professional. Well, and I do think that's due to the cuts. That's, I think Could that's, be. that's my point. I think in the American television version, because of the cuts, mm-hmm. he shines a little bit more as a bad cop. Okay. Um, that we are imagining. So, right. Cause you're suspending right? Disbelief. And so you can suspend disbelief easier with a bad cop than you can with an assassin. Well, bad cops are a lot 
more frequently That's observed. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, there's not I'm much saying. suspension of disbelief. Of disbelief, that. right. So, so in that way, some of the American cuts work towards Gary Oldman's character. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. All right. Um, anything else we want to say about the professional Leon? Y'all need to see all the versions. <laughs> so that's a good question. I think so. I think if you want to, if, if there's a movie you want to bite into, mm -hmm. it's sort of like talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. If you want to really understand it visually, emotionally, Is that a pun? then bite into, <laughs> but yeah, then you, you need to see all of the different versions. Mm -hmm. You need to see Abbott and Costello and you need to see, right. You need to see the actual versions. And then you see cares. Like if you want to just like, like take a wintry weekend and dig into something, mm -hmm. then you need to see all the versions and then come out of it and say, yeah, I know this. If you are willing to put the time into it, I would definitely say you will get something different from each of the two versions. And I, I think they're both recommendable. Yeah. There are some movies out there that yeah. I would not say that for. I will say if you had to pick Agreed. one over the other, I would go for the longer cut. Would you agree, Robin? Mm -hmm. If you had decided you're only uh, going to watch one of the two. Watch the extended cut. Robin would agree with the longer cut, but for me, the longer cut would, as a female mm -hmm. was uncomfortable. Okay. But Fair I agree enough. with you. The longer cut is worth it. It's just uncomfortable. Okay. And Lou, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the longer cut as well. And I didn't think it was as uncomfortable, but kind of from male point of view. Yeah, I was going to say, you're also because it's usually not, not female. Yeah, exactly. I mean... You know, I, I saw for what it was, but it was also nothing overtly from his side of things that made me go, Ooh, right. you know. Oh, actually, I'm going to clarify that not from his side of things, from her side of things. Mm -hmm. It was uncomfortable as a female. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I can see. I can see yeah. That. And she's definitely damaged. So I can definitely see that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the discussion of the professional. Do we know what we want to discuss next week we we, we had some we things we have something oh, yeah what did we, we had a plan for the next two we, three weeks, we did we? but i know what it was i want to know if you guys had oh i don't remember no 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 we we said it on the last we show we did i thought it was it donnie was darko so clear in my head what i thought it was donnie darko yes yes okay yep i think it is yes so yes. let me ask this on the topic of Luke Besson, do we want to add the fifth element to the list of our coverage or not? No. No? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm okay. And we've come that. full circle I mean, back to the movie, beginning of the episode but... where Robin's all knows. <laughs> Lou, go ahead. I, I, mean, I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I don't, we don't have to cover it, but yeah, yeah I mean, okay. either way. All right. Well, let's look at Donnie Darko then. There is, that's another movie for which there's a theatrical cut and a director's cut. Um, I would recommend the two of you... Lou, you've seen it before. You, Robin, you have not. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I think I've seen it. I just 
I need to see it again. Okay. Absolutely. Um, normally, this is one of those things where if I'm talking to a movie fan who's willing to watch multiple cuts of something, I recommend the theatrical cut first and then the director's cut second. Uh, because I think the differences are interesting. If you watch the director's cut, which to me is the more fulfilling version, and then the theatrical cut, I feel like you'll just find the the theatrical cut to be lacking. Mm. Whereas if you watch it the other way around, you'll feel it improved over the two viewings, and then you'll also be able to appreciate some of the differences more. And I think that's typically, anytime you see a shorter version and a longer version of something seems if you go from the longer to the shorter it just feels like oh well it's just like they cut it for tv or something like it doesn't the analytics of it are a little trickier but anyway so that's what we'll do we will uh, watch donnie darko for next week now i will say uh, i'm not available next tuesday night so our stream is going to be at a slightly different time it will not be 8 30 p.m eastern on tuesday nights that's uh, GMT minus five, I think. Um, we're going to have a different schedule for it. So the best way to find out when that's going to be is probably going to be to join our Discord server. And then we post announcement there. Um, I'll also tweet it if you follow Cinefan, C-Y-N-E-F-A-N on Twitter. I'll post an announcement there. But otherwise, go to randomchatter.com slash Discord. Join our Discord server. It's free. We've got a channel just for this show for movie chatter. Let us know what you thought of The Professional. Um, and if you watch Donnie Darko in advance as your homework for next week, right? Then let us know what you think of that as well. And um, that's it for the rest of the podcasts on the Random Chatter Network. Of course, go to randomchatter.com. You can help support the network through Patreon. Randomchatter.com slash Patreon. We try to make it convenient. All of our little things, it's randomchatter.com slash. And then the thing, slash YouTube where you can now catch video shows on the network slash shop. If you want to get some merchandise, a nice random chatter t-shirt or mask. I still haven't gotten one of those masks yet. I don't know. Are they in mm. stock again? I'm going to have to check. I think they are. Are they? Okay. One of those up. Um, and then, like I said, randomchatter.com slash discord. So that's going to do it for this episode of movie chatter. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks to everybody in the chat room and uh, take care. Be good to one another. And we will see you next episode.